may be seated. Thank you, Josh. Worship team, incredible worship. Do you guys get that every Sunday? That's awesome. Awesome. Hey, my name is Sam. I am one of your cooperative program missionaries. And let me tell you, I am just incredibly blessed to be here this morning and excited to be with Danville First Baptist Church. Uh, there, I, I get to travel all over our state, have been for the past four years, uh, since 35 years of serving as local church pastor, coming on board at the state convention. A and, you know, th there are some incredible pastors in our, in our state, some incredible churches. But there is not one pastor I respect more than your pastor, Daniel Morris. I love him. <laughs> he, he has such an incredible heart for the gospel, for Jesus, uh, for what Jesus has done in his life, and it shows through his leadership in this church. Um, you know, I told you I was one of your cooperative program missionaries, so just on, on behalf of Dr. Tucker and, uh, and all of those at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, Thank you so much for your generosity and giving to the cooperative program, to Dixie Jackson, to all of our mission focus uh, that we have as, uh, as Arkansas Baptist. Uh, you know, if you look back on the, the history of the giving of this church, Danville First has always been a strong cooperative program church, always been. Up there in that, you know, 10% or so giving. I, I noticed this past year, this tells you about the character of this church tells you about the character of your pastor. This past year during a COVID time, you know, when a lot of churches are, are, are doing this, you know, <laughs> how are we going to pay the bills? Uh, how, how are we going to do this? Are, are folks going to show up? Are they going to give? You guys made the decision, and I'm guessing with hearing Daniel speak just a moment ago, it's through that decision you made uh, of percentage giving almost 15% last year to the cooperative program. That, that's incredible, folks. That is incredible. As a matter of fact, uh, over the past 10 years, you've given over $480,000 to the cooperative program. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, of course, Dixie Jackson is one of those uh, giving times that uh, we really love as Arkansas Baptist because all that we do as Arkansas Baptist is related to your Dixie Jackson giving. That same period of time, uh, your Dixie Jackson gifts have exceeded $60,000, so making you one of our strongest Dixie Jackson churches in our state. So thank you so much for that. Uh, let me have just a moment. Let me pray for us, then we're going to jump right into Scripture, okay? Father, so thankful for what you are doing right here at Danville First and how you are using this church and the leadership of our, our good friend Daniel and how you are, you're just orchestrating a movement of your spirit uh, in this community. I'm, I'm so thankful for those 19 folks last year who were baptized in this church People this year already trusting Jesus and following in baptism and just so thankful for what you are doing. 
And Father, I pray this morning that as we open your word, that through the presence of your Holy Spirit who is here, that you would do what only you can do, that you would speak into each of our hearts scattered across this room to direct us in that next step that we take in following you. For some, that may be giving more. For some, that may be sharing their faith more. For others, it may be trusting in the salvation that you provide through your son, Jesus Christ. So I just pray, Father, that you have your way in our life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I want you to know that God is on the move in Arkansas, and nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him. Not even what we've been through the last 18 to 24 months with all this COVID stuff. Nothing can stop God from fulfilling his purpose of reconciling men and women, boys and girls to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. I, I served as a local church pastor for some 35 years before coming on board at the state convention. And being a pastor is an incredibly exciting adventure. But I can tell you this, this also can be an incredibly challenging and difficult adventure as well. And at no time in those 35 years of serving the local church have I seen a level of conflict present within communities across our state and around our world and even within the church as I have the last 18 to 24 months. You, you, you've got all the stuff surrounding COVID and the racial tensions that kind of blew up. You've got all of the political stuff that was happening and continues to happen. And it's just that perfect storm for conflict to brew. And that conflict in our culture sadly, made its way into our churches. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had over those two years with pastors who were struggling, you know, uh, just struggling, facing that conflict within the congregation. Most of it had to do with the, the COVID stuff. Some was political in nature. But conflict nonetheless. What, what are we going to do? How, how, how are we going to respond? And the pastor and ministry leaders to find a way forward. And there was always that group that disagrees. <laughs> you know, we're going too fast. We're going too slow. You know, the, the challenge of division within the church is this. The mission of the church fails. When there is conflict within the church, the mission of the church gets lost. The greatest challenge I think that church leaders have today in Arkansas and the United States in particular is not focusing on the, the what and the how, you know, the, the mechanics of doing ministry. I don't want to minimize those because they're very, very important. But the greatest need we have today within the church and it's what I preach from no matter where I go across this state. 
is to refocus on the mission that God has given to us as the church. You see, the mission must be central focus of the church because the mission was the central focus of Jesus. And he has commissioned each of us as followers of Jesus to move with him, to be guided by the Spirit, to be directed by the Spirit, to be on mission with him wherever we are. It's, it's the gospel that unites us when everything around us wants to divide us. So I, I want to focus in on that gospel this morning and what it means, this call that God places upon our lives as individual followers of Jesus and a church that desires to follow Jesus. You remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus just before he ascended to heaven after the resurrection, said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Last words of Jesus, Acts 1.8. Shortly after that, he's gone. The disciples are there by themselves. They gather in an upper room, and in Acts chapter 2, we read the story of that promised Holy Spirit that Jesus promised coming down upon the disciples. The disciples go out, they proclaim the gospel in languages they did not know, that they could not speak, and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. You go from Acts 3 through 6, and you continue to see that activity of the Holy Spirit there in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, seeing many people come to faith in Jesus. And, and Scripture says, even, even chief priest, priest, were coming to faith in Christ. You go to Acts chapter 7, and you've got Stephen, deacon in the early church, leader in the early church, is not going to cower, is, is, is bold in proclaiming the gospel. And as a result of that, he is stoned to death. He becomes the first martyr of the Christian faith. And right after that in Acts chapter 8, it says a severe persecution broke out among the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered. And where did they go? Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And from that point forward, there's this pattern. I, 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 I love math and I think in patterns. And there's this pattern that develops in the rest of the book of Acts. Very simple pattern, but it's one that you can take any story from Acts 9 forward and you can apply this pattern to it. It's simple, here it is. God calls, people respond, lives change. God calls, people respond, lives change. Let's look at that call of God by looking at one story in Acts chapter 9. I encourage you to take your Bibles, turn with me there, Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin down in, uh, let's begin in verse 10, and then we'll read some of the rest of this story. Acts 9, verse 10. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, isn't it great when God calls your name? Most of the time it is. 
Here I am, Lord, he replied. Here's what Jesus had to say. Get up and go to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. One important thing to remember, church, about this call of God. God's call is always go. God's call is always go. God's call always involves action on the part of those that he is calling. Get up and go, he says to Ananias. It always involves people, his people, joining him on his mission of reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't it incredible that we get to be part of that mission? That God calls us as individual followers of Jesus and as a church to get up and to go. His call is always go. And so he comes to Ananias and he tells him a specific location. Go to Judas's house. And since Judas was a pretty familiar name, common name, Judas who lives on Straight Street, <laughs> you go to that particular house. And there you're going to find this man named Saul. And Ananias, I want you to put your hands on him and pray for him. Now Saul is from Tarsus. And Saul has a reputation that has preceded him. Saul is a persecutor of believers like Ananias. And he has authority. That's why he's in the area. He has authority from the religious establishment back in Jerusalem to come to Damascus and to close the church down at whatever cost. Arrest the believers if they'll not disband. Kill them if he has to. That's the call that Ananias receives. And you see his reaction to that call in the next couple of verses. Pick it up with verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now, if I am paraphrasing this response of Ananias. Here's what I'm going to say. God, perhaps you haven't seen this guy's resume. I mean, he persecutes and arrests people like me. If he is that deer hunter, then I am that buck with the trophy rack and he wants my head on his wall. I'm in his crosshairs, Lord. I'm the one he's come to arrest, to kill if he has to. Well, God kind of listens to the reasoning of Ananias. Isn't it interesting that, I don't know about you, but I know many times in my own life, I've done that same thing that Ananias is doing. I've heard directly from God, you know, to go to a particular place, and, and churches hear this too. We, we hear that call of God calling our name, knowing that we're supposed to go to a particular location, a particular people, and we begin to try to reason with God about why that won't work. That's a dangerous place, Lord. 
Th those are difficult people, God. Those folks, they just won't listen, Lord. Th those kids, they have absolutely no respect at all. A and God, th there's this thing called COVID <laughs> that's going around as well. I I God listens. He always does. He's patient with us. But then God speaks again in verse 15. Take a look at what he said. But the Lord said to him, everybody say the first word with me. Go. It's the same call, isn't it? Go. For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It's the gospel that compels us, church, to go. Knowing that there are people all around us who do not know Jesus. Who are facing an eternity separated from him. That compels us to go. It's the love of God that we have experienced in Jesus Christ that compels us to go. God's call is always go. Here's the second truth. God's call is never optional. Never optional. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. No optional clause in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. God's calls always go. No amount of excuses, no amount of reasoning on our part omits us from this God-given call to go. You see, mission is always to be the focus of the church because mission was always the focus of Jesus. Jesus was always about another person hearing the gospel, that he was the Messiah, that he was the hope of eternal life, that through him their sins could be forgiven and they could be reconciled with God. Jesus was always about that. And then the gospel writers say that at one point, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem because he knew the, the, the way forward was his death on the cross. And nothing was going to stop Jesus from going to the cross and willingly giving his life for the sins of the world. God's calling the church to go to the nations. And God's calling the church to go across the street. He's calling churches, just like Danville First Baptist, to reach their community as you guys are doing. And he's calling churches to partner with other churches to reach our state, to reach our nation, to reach our world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one reason I'm so grateful for the cooperative program. Because through my giving, it allows me to be part of what God is doing all over this world. That's why I'm grateful for Annie Armstrong. Through my giving through Annie Armstrong, it allows me to partner with those 2,200 missionaries we have with the North American Mission Board. And everywhere they're located, I've got a part to play through my giving of support. It allows me through, to partner with churches in Arkansas through Dixie Jackson Giving. You guys have seen the result of that. You, you saw it this past year with One Day, right? Anybody here participate in One Day, uh, first Saturday in October? We, we've got a few of you who did. It, incredible things that God did, even in a COVID year, 
we had about half uh, of the missionaries come, but we had 1,100 folks who registered and came uh, to Russellville, then dispersed throughout uh, this association. And at the end of the day, we saw 112 people come to faith in Jesus. Incredible. Matter of fact, you go back over the last 11 years uh, of, of one day where we've had five hours a Saturday. So 11 of those Saturdays, 55 hours, over 800 decisions for Christ, which means during those five hours, those 55 hours, every four minutes, an Arkansas Baptist was leading somebody to faith in Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I, I want to be part of something like that, okay? I know you do too. If there was that ministry in this church that you could say every four minutes through that ministry, somebody's coming to faith in Jesus, this whole church is going to get behind that. Guarantee you. Now, coming up, we, we've got something that you'll see on, on the screen. April the 9th uh, is One Day Serve Local. A couple of years ago, because we couldn't come to Russellville, had to cancel that big day that we had that first Saturday in October two years ago. Uh, because of COVID, we came up with this idea of just encouraging our local churches to take that same day and to serve their local communities. Now, at that point, we were just thinking about that one day. <laughs> that, that was it. The next year, we'd do one day again, have 2,200 Arkansas Baptists show up in one location. The response was so incredible that we decided to have both emphases. The one day, Acts 1-8, first Saturday in October, but then also have a one day serve local. And here's what we've, do, uh, what we've learned, those two, uh, two one days that serve locals that we've had, over 3,500 Arkansas Baptists served their local community on those two days. Shared the gospel some 3,400 times. And over 220 people came to faith in Jesus. Now we're thinking, God's doing something there when a local church decides to serve its community. You guys know that. You do that all year long. I know that. I talk to your pastor. I, I know the kinds of ministries you're involved in in this community. Uh, and that is to be celebrated. But just think what would happen instead of 120 churches if 300 of our Arkansas Baptist churches or 500 of our Arkansas Baptist churches decided they were going to take that one day, April the 9th, and they were going to serve their local community. Just think what God would do. It, incredible to try to wrap your head around that. We're excited about what God is doing. God's calling the church to go. So Danville, here's the question. How are you going to respond? That's the second part of the outline, the second truth in this pattern. God calls and people respond. Now, I want you to keep in mind the context of this calling, okay? Let's go back and rehearse it again. This happens right after the Damascus Road experience for Saul. Saul is rounding up believers, closing down the church. He's on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to do that same thing. When suddenly he's struck by this blinding light, which literally drops him to the ground, and he is physically blind. This is the most powerful man in Judaism of his day. He's defenseless. 
he can't see where he's going. He's got to have men lead him to take the next steps. And he's going to be walking into enemy territory where someone could seek revenge and take his life. And then here's Ananias on the other side. He's been called by God to get up and go, place his hands on this man who's been given governmental uh, religious authority to kill him. It's like they're both possibly walking into a death sentence. But here's what I like about this story. Saul's purpose was connected with Ananias' purpose. Ananias' purpose connected with Saul's purpose. It's interesting to me how God brings these two together to accomplish his purpose. God uses people to accomplish his purpose. And each of you saved by the blood of Jesus, I'll let you know, God will use you to accomplish his purpose of reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So one truth, your God-given purpose, always closely connected to another person. God says, Ananias, Saul is my chosen instrument. Through Saul, I'm going to do some amazing things. Gentiles and kings and other Jewish people are going to come to faith in Jesus as a result of the ministry that he's going to be empowered to do when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And Ananias, you play a major role in that. Every one of those people who respond to the gospel, you got a part in that, Ananias. Now, let me just ask you, what did it take for Ananias to, to, to realize the fulfillment of his purpose that God has called him to? Just obedience. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Yes, Lord. The scripture says he got up. He went to Judas's house on Straight Street. He placed his hands on Saul and he prayed for him. So, verse 17. So Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, talk about a transformation. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, Scripture says, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He rose, was baptized, and taking some food, he was strengthened. Your God-given purpose, always closely connected to another person. Let, Let me state it a different way. Someone's miracle is on the other side of your obedience. Someone's miracle is on the other side of your obedience. A friend standing before you is a living, breathing miracle. That miracle happened for me April the 7th, 1972. Let let me tell you about it. Absolutely miracle, April the 7th, 1972. I can't describe it in any other way. You see, at one moment, I was dead in my sin and destined to spend eternity separated from God in a literal place called hell. But at the very next moment, I was alive in Christ, sin forgiven, 
adopted as a child of God, destined to spend eternity in heaven with the God who created me. See, salvation is a miracle. Oh, it's a miracle. Let's never forget that, folks. Salvation is God doing something that only he can do. You know you can't save yourself, right? You know you can't save anybody else. Only God, through his grace, can do that. When only God can do something, it's a miracle. And someone's miracle is on the other side of your obedience this morning. On the other side of you responding to God's call to go. That call may be to go across the street, to go next door. That call may be to talk to someone in school with you as you're going to the, through the hallway. It may mean speaking to someone that you work with. It may mean traveling halfway across the world. But there is that person that when you respond in faith to God's call, they're going to hear the gospel. Ananias acted in faith. Saul received the healing. Saul acted in faith. And that vision that God gave Ananias became a reality. Your God-given purpose is always closely connected to another person. Let me just remind you, church, that your purpose and my purpose is to exalt Jesus. It's to share the gospel. We can't get around that. That's our purpose, to, to tell people about Jesus. We, we, we can't get around that, brother and sister. Uh, no other way can the purpose of God be fulfilled in our life than us sharing the gospel with others. I know there's some fear in that. There's some fear in saying yes to God. <laughs> Most of us don't feel ready, you know. Just let me go to one more class. Let, let me read one more book, you know. We look at ourselves and all we see is how imperfect we are. Well, let me free you up just a little bit this morning. God doesn't require perfection. Not at all. You, you wouldn't believe how many times I have boogered it up when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, especially early on in my faith. God doesn't require perfection. He just requires obedience. Get up and go. Get up and go. And when we get up and go, God takes this imperfect vessel that we know we are, and he proves how perfect he is. He takes our weakness, and he proves how strong he is. Mm. So here's a question for you, Danville First Baptist. Hey, Ananias, who is your Saul? Who is your Saul? Who's that person that God is putting in your head and in your heart right now that you know, that you work with, that you go to school with, that you play sports with, that you hang out with? Who is that person that you know that doesn't know Jesus? And God, through his Holy Spirit, is putting that name in your head right now. He's putting that name on your heart right now to go and to encourage, to meet that need in their life, to pray for that person, to share the gospel. You see, when God's people respond in obedience to God's call to go, here's what happens. Lives change. Verse 20, 19 and 20. 
Saul was with the disciples of Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. Lives changed. His life changed, didn't it? One who was persecuting the church is now proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. You read the remainder of the book of Acts, and here's what you'll see over and over. You'll see how significant Ananias' yes was to God's purpose, to the spread of the gospel, because thousands and thousands of lives were changed as Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and others began to take the gospel to the known world. And lives were changed. And friends, as the church responds to God's call to go into the community throughout the state, lives have changed. I hear those transformation stories everywhere I go. I get to be part of those transformation stories everywhere I go. Um, one of the ministries that we have as Arkansas Baptist in our missions team are medical dental clinics. It's incredible to see what God can do when we go into an area that's generally impoverished and we set up a free medical dental clinic that is provided in full by your giving to Dixie Jackson, okay? Let me tell you about one person just real quick. When I think about lives changed, I think about Kay. I'll call her Kay, just the letter, because I can't pronounce her name. I mean, it had a couple of vowels and 15 consonants, and I have no idea how to pronounce that name. But Kay walked into this medical dental clinic, needing some help, had, had a toothache that was just hurting her badly. But she had three little kids with her. I mean, she had two four, five-year-old kids that were wired. They will be youth ministers in the future, okay? I mean, they were wired. Her son and then a niece that was with her. And they were just, we had the clinic in a gymnasium. Oh, they were running everywhere. They were going up and down those bleachers. Is all you heard. And she's, she's trying to get them to stop. All the while, she's got this little six-month-old that, that is squirming, uh, or nine-month, just squirming, toddler, and, and wants to get down, doesn't want to be held, and screaming. And I had the awesome opportunity, responsibility to share the gospel, okay, <laughs> while all of that is going on, okay? And, and I'm sharing the gospel, and I know Kay's not listening to a thing I say. I mean, she's not. She, she's worried about this kid that's trying to get down. She's worried about the two that are making all this noise. She's hollering at them. I'm trying to tell her about Jesus. It's just not connecting. And all of a sudden, I just pray a prayer and said, God, I need some help. And you know what God did? God sent an angel. He really did. L literally, that was her name. It was, on her name. It was Angel. <laughs> that was her name. Angel was a member of that church that was hosting this clinic. She was working at the registration table, and she knew what was happening, that I was sharing the gospel. And Angel comes over. She sits down by Kay, and she says, Sweetheart, can I take you, baby? This man has something important to say to you. 
And I really want you to hear that. And she willingly <laughs> gave the baby over to Angel. Angel goes to the bleachers. And she called those other two, two kids down. They came down and sat by her. And they were the quietest, most polite little kids you ever saw from that point forward. And I got the opportunity to share the gospel with Kay. And I asked her at the end, Kay, have you ever trusted Jesus? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? And that if you were to die, you would be in heaven with him? The tears began to form in her eyes and she said, no, sir. I said, would you like to know that? And we prayed then and Kay was saved. Lives change, my friends, when we respond to God's call to go. Lives will change as you respond to God's call to go. Salvation for people is waiting on the other side of your obedience. And for anyone that's in this room this morning that is not, that finds yourself like Kay, you don't have the assurance that sin are forgiven and that you're right with God, that you're trying and trying and trying, and you hope you're going to make it. Folks, let me tell you that there are two gospel truths I want you to realize before we close. Number one is this, no one is beyond the need of a Savior. I've met some really good per people in my life, Josh. Great people, salt of the earth folks. They're all over this community, guarantee you. Good, good people. Good mamas, good daddies, good kids. But they're lost. And they are relying on their goodness to get them to heaven. You don't think so? You ask them. A ask them if, if they're going to heaven. And when they say yes, ask them why. Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I haven't done what that person's done. I'm a good person. Folks, no one is beyond the need of a Savior. Regardless of how good we are, good is never good enough. We only get into heaven, not by our goodness, but by the perfection of Jesus. That's it. Second truth is this. There's no sin beyond the grace of God. There are also people in this community, maybe right in this very room, who when they hear the gospel, they say, that's too good to be true. You, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm doing right now. God could never love me could never forgive me. You're going to meet those people if you haven't already. No sin beyond the grace of God. No sin beyond the grace of God. See, good news is that if you place your trust in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the only way for you to be reconciled to your heavenly Father, to have your sin forgiven, <laughs> if you call out to Him right now confessing your sin repenting of sin, acknowledging that you cannot make it to heaven on your own, that you need Jesus, he'll save you. He's that good. He will save you. He'll transform your life, change your life. So call out to him right now. Be reconciled to God through Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And Paul reminds us, but God shows his love for us in this way. 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to ask Josh and the team to come up. We're going to have a time of invitation. And if anyone needs to trust Jesus this morning, I encourage you to come do that. Josh, is there someone from the church who will be down front that can, that can welcome in case someone... I'll be happy to stand down there. No problem. Be happy to. But here's the second part of the invitation this morning. Those of you who have already responded to faith in Jesus, already trusted in Jesus, I want you to know this. God continues to call us to join him in fulfilling his purpose, reconciling the world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Let your response be, yes, Lord, just like Ananias. From this point forward, yes, Lord, yes to your calling, yes to your will, yes to your leading, yes to your mission, because there's someone, someone in your life, in your neighborhood, your place of employment, in your school, in this state, maybe even someone in your home who's waiting on your obedience to say, yes, Lord, I'll get up and I'll go and I'll take the gospel to them. Father, it is in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit that is in this place, that we give you praise for salvation that you have provided to us. And we thank you, God, knowing that right now your Holy Spirit is moving in this place in our lives. Father, I pray for obedience, for faith, for some just to step out and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, for others to say, yes, I'll get up and go.